welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Elena. I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to be here as well. I'm always grateful to to people in my network, like Mark, who introduce you know other phenomenal people, especially in the area. And it's 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 really really nice to to be in touch with you and learn more about the work that you're doing, especially in times where people are always looking for some kind of change. So I'm curious mm-hmm. your experience and kind of the things that you've done with your clients and, and just the, the communities that you're a part of when it comes to change, particular careers. Because I feel like everybody's always looking for either a career change or relationships. So it's like two things yeah. that are consistent <laughs> across most of our lives. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> in a relationship, you're looking for a career change and vice versa, sometimes both. So I feel it's a very relevant conversation for these times, but frankly speaking, for just about any time so (laughs) yes I totally agree (laughs) but tell me a little bit more about how you got into the work of you know working with uh, career transitions for individuals and Mm -hmm. um, kind of the work that you do in this uh, coaching space yeah um, well I do both coaching and consulting so it's kind of an interesting mix Uh, and I came to this in sort of a circuitous path Um, I spent many, many years leading communications and marketing teams for organizations, nonprofits, and universities, big and small. And um, uh, I really like that work. Sometimes, um, you know, it's it can not be as fulfilling as when you have personal relationships with people. Mm-hmm. And so um, at a certain point in my career, and so I've done that for, you know, over 20 years. And at a certain point in my career, I was sort of trying to figure out you know, what am I doing in this space? Uh, Is it accomplishing all that uh, I wanted to accomplish? Am I having the kind of impact that I want to have? And uh, someone recommended a coach to me. And uh, I I connected with her. She coached me for a couple years. And really her real focus was, in addition to learning about me, is helping me sort of figure out what is my herd. And that's the first time I'd actually heard that word, you know, the herd thing. And she spent a lot of time trying to figure out, helping me think through where do I really want to be and how do I want to get there and what's really stopping me. And we had, she really guided me quite a bit in my own thinking and thought process. And at a certain point, our relationship ended. She came back to me after a few years just to sort of check in to see how I was doing. And uh, she said, you know, Milri, uh, I'm really happy in this place where you've become, you know, where you've landed. Mm-hmm. And um, I really think you should be a coach. <laughs> and I said to her, you're out of your mind. Uh, I'm a communications and marketing person. That's my jam. I know that real. I know that profession really well. And she said, yeah, but you're coaching all the time anyway. You have mentees, you have people who, you have a curiosity, um, you are a great listener and you really can be very empathetic. And she said, you know, you really have many of the skills that coaches, successful coaches have. And I, you know, I really pushed back on this, Elena, for quite a long time. And she said, look, here's the deal. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to get into a coach program, a certification program, go through it get certified, I can be, I will be your mentor. And at the end, if you don't want to be a coach, then you, at least you've learned some new skills. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. And uh, at the end, it was really transformational to me. Uh, there was something about that giving and receiving 
transaction that really hit me in a way that, you know, what I do on the communication side, you know, really wasn't happening the way I wanted it to. And so, so I created, I, I expanded my consulting practice from just marketing and communications and working with C-suiters at, at universities and in nonprofits to coaching. And I didn't, I started out thinking, you know, I know communications and marketing people. So that's going to be my, that's going to be my coaching niche. Right. And started out working on that and it just wasn't happening the way I thought it would happen. And so again, my coach came back to me and she said, stop trying to build a niche. You offer what you offer, you present yourself and they will find you. And that was probably the most profound thing that she ever said to me beyond becoming a coach. And I, and I did that. And so I found myself coaching businesses, small businesses in particular, and coaching folks who are mid-career, who are older. Um, and I have found a real connection with both of those populations, especially small businesses that are starting up, that are struggling to... Um, become who they want to be. And those folks who are out there as professionals who, you know, are just in this place in life where they're trying to figure out what's next. And mm -hmm. I just have a real connection with that. And so that's kind of the meandering way I've come to this place. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, I very much appreciate that she uh, mentioned that, you know, don't look for your niche because I think, right, especially as you're starting off a, a, as a coach um, in any profession in general, really like, um, but I think particularly those professions that need, like eventually, you know, you'll need to find your niche eventually, maybe, or maybe mm -hmm, not. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's such an uncertain area and you don't get no. And I think as long as people focus on like, you know, just doing, um, you know, kind of evolving into that, into that niche that they might find later yeah. on. Yes. Um, right. Uh, because, you know, for me, what's troublesome is sometimes, you, you know, when you when you see people that are very niche from the beginning, but it's like, mm -hmm. you know, they not, may not necessarily have enough experience in that area to be that niche, but mm -hmm. they might have a lot of other strengths that they haven't even considered because they're yes. so focused on choosing a niche. And yes. it's like, yes. it doesn't have to be so, so strict. And so like, yes. I'm not a fan of that. I'm a, I'm a fan of exploration you know, yeah. doing your best with the information you have today and then mo just moving slowly and like flowing through that uh, career. And, you know, yeah. it's, um, yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and I'll, I'm not sure about other coaches and consultants, but I know for me, had I really dug in and focused on creating that niche that I thought was my herd, I probably would have been a lot more ego driven uh than I am now now I just feel like I'm really open to the possibilities open to who comes to me giving them some piece of me some piece of expertise that I think will make their worlds a little bit their world a little bit better and I feel much more like I'm giving than I'm actually receiving and I don't know that I would have necessarily been that way had I started out working with those folks who I knew what they do for a living all the time yeah that makes sense and yeah. and also what what kind of really fits in with your previous career experience mm -hmm. is that at the end of the day you know as an individual we do have to market ourselves and we mm -hmm. are a product that we need mm -hmm. to put out there so mm -hmm. communicating that and marketing that is such a such a direct line and so mm -hmm. much of you know and, and maybe you know I don't know, some people might be like, well, I'm not a product, but technically you are a product and you need, mm -hmm. you're kind of selling yourself continuously, whether it's to an employer or to clients or to an mm -hmm. audience. 
So it's, um, you know, I can only see how having that experience can be so easily translated into mm -hmm. helping then individuals draft mm -hmm. that brand story for themselves. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you something else is that um, I think that part of my expertise is still focused on the consulting side. Mm -hmm. So I get a chance to invest in that part of who I am and I get a chance to use that on a day-to-day -day basis. I just try to, you know, make sure that when I'm coaching, I'm coaching. When I'm consulting, I'm consulting. Yeah. It's so difficult, and, uh, by the way, to do. To, it, it's not an easy oh, thing. And, you know, people easy, think yeah. that there's a red line, but there's no red line. Yeah. You know, you can have a conversation with somebody who is your consulting client mm -hmm. and it can sort of meander into well, what do you think about this? And I'm challenged by that. And you can find yourself in a conversation about that. And you you'll you won't be in the scope of work as a consultant. You'll be mm -hmm. in a different place. And uh, you know, you just have to always sort of be mindful of that, whether you can manage it or not. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, you mentioned something earlier that you were a little bit hesitant or a lot of hesitation when you first uh, started to go. What were the some of the hesitations, if you don't mind sharing? Um, you mean when I first started coaching? Yeah, when before you even got into code, before you even took oh, the course. Oh, oh, like... oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's well, that's a good question. Um, so I, I had this vision of who I was as a professional. Mm. You know, I had a body of expertise and a body of success, and everyone who knew me professionally defined me as a marketing and communications strategist and a mm. person who led communications teams, and every. People, my 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 colleagues in the university space and in the nonprofit, particularly the social justice space, kind of knew me that way, mm. and uh, I, I felt at home, struggle, you know, ad addressing crises on campuses, and mm -hmm. that was kind of my self image of me. And so it took a little bit of time for me to see myself as a person who had these other skills, and other mm. talents and gifts that I wasn't. But I was using in some ways, but I didn't really, I hadn't really focused it. And so, yeah, so that was a little bit of a journey for me to just sort of see that. But the coaching program and the coaching experience that I had, especially early on when I was practicing and inter, you know, interacting with folks, I started seeing these other things that really brought me joy mm. and, uh, and was getting really good feedback. And so that's when my self-image started expanding. Yeah. Have you, I want to ask you a little bit about um, on the consulting side that you do. So mm -hmm. have you seen um, a shift in particularly in how companies communicate and market themselves based on the new generations that are coming in? Have you seen the shift happen over the last I, I, 10 years? Yeah, I've, so? I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen a shift gradually happening. Mm. Um, you know, there's a little bit of dissonance between what in my experience, what lots of organizations want to do and what historically they've done and what a new generation is bringing to them. And, you know, there's, you know, there is a younger generation of folks who are, who want to have it now. They're not willing to put in the time. They're, they would much rather change jobs than to grow in a current job. And I think organizations, particularly coming out of the pandemic, are starting to see that how can I invest in another generation of employees and staff uh, in a way that I really never had to do that before. And I particularly see it in the small businesses that I work with. I, I, I have found myself working with lots of small businesses. And um, 
you know, when they're hiring, when they are managing staffs, when you've got a person who created a business and who thinks this is the only way to do it because mm -hmm. I know everything uh, and you find those challenges, um, that's when, you know, it's it can be helpful to have another point of view. Mm, absolutely. I feel like yeah. a lot of companies um, struggle with that. And, you know, we, we've seen this with all the, the big corporations that's been in news recently, you know, and the things they're trying just to fit in or just to, mm -hmm. you know, attract to, to, to different types of audiences. But what's even more funny is on the on the individual side, recently I saw a uh, post that was like a Gen Z's want to work five hours a day and make, you know, X, you know, lots of six figure salaries and, mm -hmm. um, and they don't want to, they don't want to have a lot of stress or something like that. Right, and like right, X right. Number of vacations, you know, so it's like right. as a company, you know, uh, how, how are you, you know, how do you manage that? Like, how do you, you know, like, how do you, what are you putting out there to attract, you know, somebody who wants to work more than five hours a day? Like, what's the messaging you're putting out there? Like, yes. uh, it's, uh, and, uh, you know, and there's a lot of sensitivities now around the workplace as well. So just managing the crisis that comes along with certain, you know, challenges that, that we mm -hmm. experience in corporates these days is, um, is an interesting, an interesting thing that we're, we're all trying to figure out, I guess, right now. Yeah. And, and, and I particularly see that when I, um, you know, work with older folks who are looking for jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, they've somehow gotten displaced, but they are really committed to what they do for a living yeah. in a way that's different from younger employees. And uh, the, the thing that I see lots of, you know, more mature organizations do and seek is what an older person will bring who has mm -hmm. a certain body of expertise and a certain commitment to you know, fulfilling their commitments. Uh, that's very different from, you know, what we're seeing in Gen Zers and others. And mm -hmm. so the thing that employers are looking for, they're looking, sometimes they're looking for it in the wrong groups. Right. And and you find these folks who are older who want to do this, but for some reason there is a barrier between their, what they think they bring to the table and how employers or potential employers see them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty... Um uh it, it's pretty disheartening to to see that because ageism is a real thing and mm. you're completely correct and i'm not sure where i mean it depends on a company but you know it really depends on a company but i see definitely like through just the the kind of the funny thing is that the kind of experience they look for like you said is driven towards those individuals but then mm. that's not who gets hired and they still hire the younger person and suffer the consequences later yes. on which is a little bit confusing to me i'm like mm -hmm. You have a a better candidate, actually, but yeah. I don't know how that process. And you know, so it's very it's it's a very complex. But I see this. I'm in the recruitment world, and I see this quite a bit. And I'm like, how do you go from this to this? Like, how do you yeah. you know? And then anyway, it's very interesting. But I know you're involved with a uh, 40 plus group um, in DC. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. what are some of the conversations you're overhearing? There are some of the challenges in addition to you know, what we just said, but what other yeah. themes emerge? Well, yeah, it, it's really interesting. I'm, I'm on the board of 40 plus of Greater Washington. And uh, I also, as a board member, I recruit speakers for our Monday evening speaker series. And uh, it's a very, very interesting dynamic because often you hear about some of the regular things, you know, I'm looking for a job, you know, the the automatic tracking system is not working for me. How do I get in front of recruiters? All that stuff that everybody faces. Uh, but there is a, a, a another dynamic that's at work for folks who are older. And they are 
challenged by the technology mm-hmm. that exists. I see almost every Monday night people who are in their 40s and 50s who are looking for a job. They may have been displaced from a job or they may be in a current job but ready to move on and do something different. They're reluctant to have their cameras on. Mm-hmm. You know, they are. there are a lot of different things that some younger folks, for example, I don't want to generalize, but I'll yeah. say this, grew up with the technology and others who are older have to adopt this to adapt adopt and adapt to this technology in a way that you know it, it requires some effort on their part and so you know the whole informational interview there fo- there are folks out there who are expert at doing informational interviews and there are others who are very reluctant to doing them you know, mm-hmm, they come mm-hmm. to the table thinking I've got 20 years of experience as a marketing and communications folks and folk person. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, I they should be able to look at my resume, yeah. right, and see that I'm qualified. And it's just, it's a big challenge. Yeah, it's, like I said, it's, it's super dis- disheartening, really, to to see that. And what's interesting is that companies, I, I assume they probably look and they say, well, we, you know, we would have to invest in training this person how to use this technology. But on the flip side, what, and this is my life weekly basis, is <laughs> what I see is the young people, you have to invest in teaching them mm-hmm. how to be professional. Yes. How yes. to deal with clients, how to deal mm-hmm. with uh, difficult situations, how to yes. deal with conflict. So personally, I much rather teach somebody how to use the tech because a lot Mm. of the tech or have a young person who's already working act as a, as a reverse mentor, so to say, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and, and get that person, but somebody who can handle, who can manage a team, who can deal with everything that, you know what I'm saying? The, Mm -hmm. the, the the world of work is, you know, you know, it's just becoming, seems like more challenging and challenging across board. So, so I'm always curious about that. I'm like, it is probably cheaper and the th- funny part is if you invest in that in the the older gen- per- person, you know, they'll actually stick around. The younger person, you might train them, you know, uh, uh, you know, as much as you want to. But two years later, they're going to bounce. Not even not two gonna, years. Not well, not even, even two years. Even that, yeah. I, I, I saw I had a presenter at 40 plus uh, uh, about a year ago who was an expert in the labor market. And he said, and I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit fuzzy on the numbers, but essentially he said, that there is a subgroup of folks who get jobs who are young. And as soon as they get the job, they're looking for the next one. And six months in, they've left the job that they interviewed for and they found something that's more interesting or allows them to bring the dog to work or five hours a week or five hours a day. And that person is in and then out. And then a company has invested X amount of money into getting that person trained up and all of that stuff. And then the person's gone. And it's really, it's really quite interesting. But I will say one other thing about this whole idea of ageism in the workplace. I'm not an expert on ageism. Um, Sometimes it's a, well, it's often a murky area because Let's just say that you find a person who is, let's just say, 55 years old. He's taken on a new job. He's the youngest person in the office. And now there are all of these ver- these new communications and technical platforms that he has to learn in order to demonstrate his own expertise. So you mean that he's person the oldest, might take oldest, a- him, He's the oldest. He said the yeah, youngest, he's the oldest, oldest person yeah, yeah. in the office and and maybe by a number of years. 
And, and this is part of my own experience too in the past. And um, that person gets on board and struggles with the technology and doesn't really get a chance to show his his expertise. Other, uh, yeah, expertise, yeah. Right? And so then there becomes this perception. Why is this person taking so long to learn this? You know, this person, uh, is the person providing value yet? When just given a little bit more time and mm -hmm. patience with this person learning the, the technology part, maybe it's a communications platform, maybe it's, um, you know, monday.com or whatever those things are, you yeah. know, that are just essential to just working in the office. Yeah. That person might take a while to get to that place. And then yeah. there's a perceptual problem. You know, there's a generational perception. And yeah. that's a little bit more, that's a little bit murkier than just yeah. ageism. Yeah, no, you're completely right. And um, what's interesting is that the whole onboarding process could be better mm -hmm. in general for most mm -hmm. companies. Most companies don't do good mm -hmm. with onboarding. And then frankly mm -hmm. speaking, um, it takes six months to 12 months for somebody to really make an impact in, a, in, a, in yes. like a new hire. That's the reality. Yes. Like in very rare cases, do you hit the ground running? But Right. It just takes time. These things just yeah. take time. You got to learn the organization and depending which level you are, et cetera. So, so, you know, I think there has to be an element of patience and, and mm -hmm. weighing the pros and cons of, mm -hmm. you know, do I wait for this person to, you know what I mean? Uh, to, to, mm -hmm. to kind of get, get on board with, with the tech and what support am I providing as a, as an employer, mm -hmm. right. And how mm -hmm. is yes. their manager and their team supporting you know, versus bringing on somebody who is job hopping. And mm -hmm. it's interesting. You always see these, you know, uh, on social media, you always see these posts, um, mm -hmm. how this young person will say, I'm 29, I'm making, you know, 180 uh, mm -hmm. a year, uh, or maybe like even 26. I've seen it. I mean, I know, I know people that are, you know, 27 making 180, mm -hmm. you know, in, in tech world, mm -hmm. but it's like, I'm, and, I, and, and um, this is how I got 20% increase in the last four years and it's because yes. they job hop right and it's like right. and it's um and i don't know if my my biggest challenge with that also for the younger people is like especially during the pandemic and post pandemic a lot of companies just threw money at candidates mm -hmm. but i don't think they understand that that's probably got their cap for a while mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's going to be very yes. difficult they're going to have to either stay the same salary for a long time because nobody's going to offer them something more they've right they, they might have they might have tapped their expectations out for mm -hmm. several years ahead mm -hmm. because they yes. still don't have specific experience at companies. So at some point you hit that ceiling almost right. until you, you, you know what I mean? So, and I think a lot of people, young people who are like chasing the paycheck, which I, I understand, I get it, yes. but I do too, you know, but I don't know if they're thinking it's a very short term thinking because I don't think they understand yeah. how, the world of work and salaries and the the, the when the market stabilizes and mm -hmm. you know what I mean and like what you yeah. know uh, those sort of things yeah and and, and, I'll, and I'll just add Elena that um you contrast that with a person who's more mature in his or her career who is less interested in making the mega bucks and much more interested in job fulfillment and contribution and impact mm -hmm. and if you can find that magical place between you know, the ability to grasp technology, for example, yeah. and a commitment to make a major contribution over time, mm. that organization might get much more of a return on their investment over time than hopping in with somebody. And it's not always a young person. I don't want to sort of, you know, right. bias against that, but it's a person who really just wants to job hop. 
You know, they, they've created a path for themselves that every two years they're doing such and such a thing. And, uh, and that might not always be the case in an older, more mature population who brings a certain skill set that can contribute to the bottom line, that can, you know, work with um, uh, lots of different personalities, lots of different areas of expertise, pull them together as a team and move forward. There's great value in that. Yeah. And somebody who also they look for more stability. Yes. You know? for more stability so and a little bit more responsibilities that they have and it's just you know it's it's a different it's interesting you know it's a complex topic but um, you know there's so many sides to consider um Mm -hmm. but this is my life weekly on in the recruitment (laughs) world and talent development world and so i I ponder these topics all the time and i think i've seen it all over the last like particularly the last two years with all these things that are happening especially in the tech sector oh my Mm -hmm. goodness so yeah. it's um, very interesting, nonetheless. Yeah, and, and and of course, I see it a lot in my role in 40 plus, you know, mm-hmm. where there are the, there's this competition that goes on between generations. Yeah. And uh, it's really interesting to sort of be informed by the arguments and the discussions that are taking place uh, on both sides of the uh, of the equation. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting, that's an interesting little debate to have. That'll be an interesting yeah. event to host, you know, where you yeah. just have, because because we make a lot of assumptions based on you know small populations that we are mm-hmm. exposed yes. to but i'm curious you know like you know to hear the other side of it because i'm sure there's yeah. a lot we don't consider from a young person's yeah. perspective like somebody who's you know fresh out of college or yeah you know, oh. I, I totally agree I, I think that's a very worthwhile debate and conversation and forum to have where you've got folks who are in multi-generations who are talking about their job search, job stability, job change experience. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's listening to this, if you do events, please put something. <laughs> yes. yes. Maybe 40 plus can 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 invite the the you know somebody else. That, well, you know what? Look, you're bringing up a good point, Elena, and I'm I'm definitely going to be thinking about how we can invite that kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure people will be interested. It's a very, it would be very interesting. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious. Back to you a little bit. What are you mm-hmm. most excited for for this next year? I mean, this year is coming to an end faster than I, I, I at least for me. I don't know, but um, <laughs> but then you know, 2024. I feel is going to be here before we know it. What are some things you're looking forward to? Um, well, my business continues to evolve, and uh, I like. It goes through these periods where I'm doing more coaching than consulting, and then other times when I'm doing more consulting than coaching, and it feels like I'm at a place now where it's evening out, where I'm managing a portfolio of consulting clients and coaching clients, and uh, being able to be present in both of those environments, which is really important to me. So I think I'm just looking forward to continuing to see how that grows, uh, as well as kind of realizing that maybe I have less control over it than I thought I had, and just being open to how it grows and you know, just being present and contributing and being impactful in whichever direction it goes. Mm, yeah, that, that's that's that, that's nice. And it's I love it how you say it's evolved because it's always evolving. That's, yes. how, that's how I think, uh, you know, you always have to keep that open mind, as you said in the beginning, uh, mm-hmm. when you have a business because you never know what direction it's going to take and you have to be open that's to all right. of it. Um, and we don't know what we don't know, which is why we I, don't I, know. I, you know, yeah, go ahead. And I say to people all the time, um, you know, you just have no idea what's right around the corner. Yeah. You know, 
we none of us knows. I mean, I'm a perfect example of, you know, I didn't want to be doing, I mean, you couldn't have imagined me doing what I'm doing now when I was running a communications team 10 years ago at a university or being a consultant specifically in communications and marketing, mm -hmm. that I would have fleshed out my career in this way where I can be impactful and contribute. So, you know, I, I think about how I pushed back quite a bit. And now I'm in a place that I'm feeling very fulfilled and I like it a lot and it's been transformational to me and, and I hope to people I work with. Yeah, no, I'm sure, I'm sure it has. It's a, it's this, um, it's the unknown that's yet exciting. And I think that's why it's like, you have to have this curious mindset, you know, yes. to your point, like you don't know what's around the corner, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's, um, you know, I'm an optimist by nature, you know, I try to yeah. be realistic as well, of course, but I'm mm -hmm. an optimist and I'm like, I'd rather mm -hmm. think about the great things that could be around the corner. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. the, um, uh, somebody once said, they said, if you look for the bad, I don't remember who mm -hmm. it was. I'm sure several people said the same thing, but <laughs> it was like, if you look for the bad, you're going to find the bad. If you focus on yes. the negative, you're going to find the negative. You turn yes. on the news, you're going to find the negative. But if yes. you focus on the good, like, you know, that's, that's where I prefer to spend my time as like yeah. the good and the future, you know, not yeah. being completely ignorant of the other things that are happening, but limiting my uh, exposure to all the other things that are happening that, you know, keep, keep an eye on it, but that shouldn't be the focus should be future focused, you know? Yeah. And I think about what I try to do is have a sense of adventure, mm -hmm. you know, like what's right around the corner and confident that whatever is around the corner for me. I have it in me professionally and personally to address it and just kind of go into whatever that situation is, knowing that who knows what's right around the corner, but I know that I can handle it, whatever it is. And uh, when you can partner with people and when you can partner with business leaders to instill that sense of adventure, that sense of, I don't really know what's right around the corner, but I'm ready for it. You know, mm -hmm. I'm leaning into it. As opposed to, and there are lots of folks who feel this sense of, this is the way I want it to go. And if it shifts, if it, you know, tax left or right, then I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with that. You know, as opposed to, you know, we have to have some intentionality about what we do. But there's also this curiosity and sense of adventure that we have out there, or we should have out there, because things are presented to us. And um, I, I just like knowing that. I like yeah. feeling that. And I like approaching approaching my life that way. Yeah, absolutely. So before I ask you my last question, um, mm -hmm. where can people find you? Where do you hang out at? Where can they get in touch with you for your coaching or your consulting? Well, they can certainly reach out to me on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, and they can also reach me uh, through my website. Uh, it's willacop.com. Uh, Willa That's W-I-L-L-E-K-O-P.com. Great. And the last question I always ask my audience is, uh -oh. what is one question you wish people would ask themselves more often? Um, I think, what is my special, unique gift? And am I using that gift to make an impact? I like that. What is my special, unique gift? And am I using that gift to make an impact? Yeah. 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 It's a beautiful question. <laughs> it's a difficult question if you don't know, but that's, that will spark that curiosity and that yes. adventure though. And it's worth pursuing if you don't have an answer for it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So that's the purpose of life is find that out. That's right. right? That's right. 
It's a beautiful question. Well, Millery, thank you so much. Um, I'm sure we're going to chat again when yes. you, uh, sounds like you might actually host that little, you know, generational conversation. So, <laughs> yes. and you know, we might come back and we, you know, we might talk about that and see, see how that went. I think it'll be so phenomenal. That, that sounds great. And, uh, I do plan on pursuing that and you and I will have a conversation about that when that com when that opportunity pops up. Absolutely. Thank you, Mary. Okay. Thanks, Elena. Thank you.